This morning, I'm excited. Uh, I love missionaries. Except for when I don't plan for missionaries, right? Uh, I had to get a music stand out, so my wife's music just got all folded over and stuff. Sorry about that, Tam. Anyway, um, so uh, what I wanted to say, oh, we have missionaries. That's where I was at. That's what's going on next, right? Um, and I was thinking in worship just how cool the body of Christ is. You know, we, we get to be a part of his kingdom. We get to be a part of his body, right? And so about 22, 23 years ago, a team of people from across the state of Nebraska came to our community and they took that building that still sits right there and they put all this up, you know, in like a weekend or two, I've heard, I don't know how long it took, but anyway, they came up and did that. And that was cool that someone from outside was investing in our community. Well, there's two men this morning, Jeremy and his dad, that were actually here, and they were a part of of building the sanctuary that we're in. And now, what I think is so cool about the body of Christ, they invested in us, we have a great chance to hear what God is calling them to do, and the privilege to be able to invest in them. That's where I think the body of God is, is the body of Christ, it's so cool how... You know, no idea 20 years ago that you'd be back being able to preach a sermon, talking to a church body in Crawford, Nebraska, about what God is doing in your lives. But God is cool, and his body is great, and we're a part of it. And so Jeremy and his wife, Darylis, are going to come up, and they're going to share with us. I'm not singing it either, uh, but uh, they're going to share with us what God is doing. Uh, I'm excited to hear from them. We're going to turn the service over to them and let them and have their way in our service. Pastor, oh man, that yeah, it is kind of incredible. We, uh, my dad is right there, Jim Gaster. He's from a cook. All right, this is my wife, Darlies. I'm Jeremy. I've met many of you uh, in the Sunday school class. Um, uh, our job, they they wanted an expert carpenter to do this, so uh, they they told my dad that he had to do it since he had some some talent. Uh, and, and some experience. And he joined the roof of the old church with the roof of the new church. So um, that's, that's what we did up there. Um, we, don't, we don't crawl up that far on the roofs anymore. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, we have two kids. Do you have, got a, I don't know, get, you got a slide there? We can show them our kids if they don't, haven't seen our kids yet. Yeah, well, technical difficulties, you know. Yeah, yeah, technology. Yeah, um, I'm IT at a. I'm also IT at a uh, at a bank, and and uh, so I know about all the things that go wrong with technology. Um, got that? Nope, nope. And I know how much time sometimes it takes. Oh, there it is. Okay, okay. There's our two kids, Jeremiah. He's three, and Nicolette. She's five, and they're in children's church and they're running around here and you'll see them and so that's us my wife is from Columbia and she'll tell you a little bit more about that um let's go to the word let's let's pray and go to the word always a good place to start right father thank you for what you do thank you that we're here 
because of that, that cross, that name, Jesus, that we were just singing about. We're, we're all together here. All these, all these things are happening around just the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. As we open your word, thank you for the privilege of opening your word and learning from you. Do by your spirit what cannot be done by human aids. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Exodus, chapter 4, verse 12, says, Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. Moses was a, was a man on the run. He was a, uh, an outlaw, if you will. He was one in, connect, in connection with a murder, the disappearance of a certain Egyptian. Although the Hebrews were slaves in Egypt, Moses grew up in what we'd call privilege. And one day he went out, and he saw a, a, an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, and he, uh, he struck the Egyptian. And whether he meant to or not, he killed the Egyptian. So what did he do? He buried him in the sand. And the next day, he went out again, and he saw a Hebrew beating on another Hebrew. And he goes to this guy, and he says... Why are you attacking your fellow Hebrew? And the man replied, Who made you a ruler or judge over us? Are you planning to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? So now he knew he was in trouble. And he ran. He fled Egypt, got a new identity, if you will. He got a new job as a rancher in the desert. Well, a shepherd. He got a new wife, a new home, and there he stayed for four years. He figured that was it. That was all. Um, and how many times do you think in that 40 years he thought about the mistake he made, killing an Egyptian? And how many times do you th- think he thought about those last words that he heard an Israelite a Hebrew say to him, Who are you? Who made you a judge or ruler of us? But that wasn't all. God cried out, uh, the Israel cried out to God. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Israel cried out to God because of their slave labor in Egypt. And the scripture saw, says, God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant. And God saw the Israelites. And God understood. Some of you just need to know God understands. In Hebrew, that last, that last phrase, um, it just says God understood. It doesn't say what he understood. It doesn't say all that. In Hebrew, it just 
leaves it kind of hanging there. God understood, dot, dot, dots. So, number one, God heard. Number two, God remembered. Number three, God saw. Number four, God understood. So, so, so Moses sees this burning bush. Now, if you're out in the pasture and you see something burning, what do you do? You go investigate, right? On the way up here, we saw something burning, and you could see it for miles away. Hopefully they put that fire out quickly. But he sees uh, this, this burning bush, and he goes to investigate, and God begins to speak to him there. And God says in Exodus 3, 7, I have seen the affliction of my people. I have heard their cry, for I know their sorrows. I have come down to deliver them. God saw. God heard. God knew. And God came down. So when God comes down, what does it mean? It means he's about to do something. And what does he do? He commissions Moses. Exodus 3.10, so now go. And I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. When God is about to move in power, he says, go. Now Moses resists God. Anybody ever resisted God? Moses says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh or that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Remember the last time Moses tried to do something in Egypt? Remember the last mocking words of that Israelite? Who are you? Has anybody ever said something to you, maybe years ago, that so burned into you? That, that that's became part of who you are. Just like a brand. We were talking about branding yesterday. Just like a brand. It's gotten burned into you. It became part of who you are. This became part of Moses so much that when God himself said, go, Moses wasn't willing. Who made you ruler and judge over us? Well, Moses and God start this conversation. Moses says, who am I? What standing do I have to go to Pharaoh? God says, surely I will be with you. Moses says, what if they ask me your name? God says, I am. Moses says, what if they do not pay attention to me, but say the Lord has not appeared to you? God says, what is your hand? Moses has a staff in his hand, and God does a miracle with his staff. And Moses says, but that's not enough. Moses says, I'm not eloquent. I'm not good at speaking. I like this version. It says, my tongue gets tangled and my words get twisted. <laughs> 
and God says, who gave man a mouth? Sometimes my wife says that. Who gave man a mouth? (laughs) Who gave man a mouth? So now go. I will be with your mouth. Don't you love that phrase? I will be with your mouth. Now, Moses isn't quite finished yet. He gets down to the real issue. All these questions maybe kind of hide the real thing that's behind it. Moses, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 13, he says, Lord, please just send someone else. Please, please just send somebody else. He simply doesn't want to go. Have you ever simply just not wanted to go do whatever God wanted you to do? Before we're too hard on Moses, we should consider it's been 40 years since he left Egypt. He's, he had a failed uh, leadership situation there with the Israelites before. He had a new home and a steady job. But Moses, God had saved Moses' life. There were very few men of Moses' generation because about the time he was born, there was a, a, a genocide of all the baby boys, of uh, Israelite boys, by the Pharaoh. Well, God responded again and gave Moses his brother, to help him do the work of bringing the Israelites out of Egypt. Now, if you've read the Bible or seen the movie, (laughs) you know the story. Israel did come out of Egypt and settled in the promised land, the land of Israel. But they didn't follow God's law very well. And as a result, they had continuous problems with enemy raiders coming in from the desert and raiding Israel. Uh, raiding Israel, taking their food and their cattle. It was an unstable time of political turmoil. Gideon, God is about to call as a military leader. In Judges 6.12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. God speaks to him in spite of his circumstances, but Gideon has just got, Gideon didn't reply to the mighty hero part. He was interested in the the Lord is with you part. He he says in in Judges six thirteen, Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why? Why? Have you ever asked why? I've asked why. Why is this happening to us? Where are the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of the land of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. God, uh, Gideon just had that simple question. Why? So God said because and because and because, right? No. He does not answer with because. It says in Judges 6.14, Then the Lord turned to him. And said, go, 
Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. God's answer to why is go. Gideon, of course, he has a few more questions, but Lord Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. God's answer? Judges 6.16 I will be with you. Same words. Same words. Gideon has a few more questions. If you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Have you ever wondered if it was really God talking to you? Well, God is gracious to, to, to Gideon. And he did show him a sign. And Gideon, Gideon, if you have read the book or have watched the movie, <laughs> he did deliver Israel from the Midianites. Now, the Israelite kingdom, it rose and it fell, as all nations do. It fell into turmoil as their kings disobeyed the Lord. And finally, the the kingdom of Judah and the remnant of Israel, whatever was left, was in its final days. In Jeremiah's time, Judah would be destroyed by the king of Babylon. It was a politically unstable time. Again. So the Lord spoke to Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 1.5 it says, I knew you before I, I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah responds. He says, oh, O sovereign Lord, I can't speak for you, for I am too young. It seems to echo what Moses said, right? And God says, don't say I am too young, for you must go. You must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And then God continues, and don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you. In our time, the world is an increasing state of conflict and anxiety. The news is full of war, pandemic, economic issues, racial conflict. We almost forgot about that one. They, what haven't we seen in the last couple of years? Everything. The church is losing a lot of its power in the United States. It's, it's authority to speak. Or maybe we could say it's influence. And many people, uh, especially young people, leave the church. 
you're a young person and you're here, awesome. (laughs) You might call this a politically unstable time. What was God's command to Moses when Egypt was a politically risky place for him to go? Remember, he was wanted in Egypt. (laughs) Go. What was God's command to Gideon in the face of overwhelming enemy invaders? Go. What was God's command to Jeremiah in in the face of the disastrous end of the nation of Judah? Go. And what is the Holy Spirit telling the church today? Go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always. Seems like Jesus read the Bible, didn't he? (laughs) Even to the end of the age. Well, we're not quite to the end yet. So I guess Jesus is still with us. And Jesus is still with you when you have to go to a relative, friend, a neighbor, someone you work with, a coworker. And I know it's not easy. But God says Be sure of this. Your authority doesn't come from you. People will say, who are you? God hasn't spoken to you. But God says, I am with you. Always. Whatever whatever it is that God has commanded you to do. Now God has told us to go to the country of Spain, and I'll have my wife come up and speak a little bit about that process for us. Yay! Finally, it's my turn. <laughs> he was with adults for Sunday school. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, I'm Derlis. Uh, thank you for trying to say my name. You did a good job. You know, I forgive you. <laughs> because I need the same forgiveness. I need you to forgive my accent, please. <laughs> so, uh, I am originally from Colombia. Uh, I was born and raised there. And I want to thank you. Thank you, Pastor Steve and Tammy. Uh, thank you to all of you. Thank you to Miss Donna and her husband for allowing us to stay in a great place. We love the chicken ranch. And thank you for investing in missionaries. I am the result of what many people like you invested to spread the gospel and plant churches in Colombia. Uh, in 1996, my mom was dealing uh, 
with being abandoned by my dad, uh, her husband, and she was dealing also with a failing business. Everything, our world was coming apart. But in 1996, a friend of her uh, invited us to an evangelical church. And we went to the evangelical church, and we found there Jesus. Hope, love, and freedom in Jesus. And that evangelical church was the first assembly of God planted in my city. It's because people from here, from U.S., support their missionaries there in Colombia. And uh, Pastor Steve was mentioning, oh, it's nice that now they are coming back here. And, you know, I feel honored to be here in U.S. because I feel that God brought me here to give to this country a little bit of what you have planted in Colombia. Uh, I came here nine years ago, and I have been serving with my husband in Mukok. Uh, we helped the church during a difficult time, and after we have our pastor and everything was doing good, we became kids pastors, reaching out kids, and uh, we were doing that for four years and a half. And uh, I'm honored and privileged to be serving the Lord since I was 12, 12 years old. So you are not too young to serve the Lord. And I want to tell you, what we invest in, in God's kingdom, what we sow in God's kingdom, the fruit that we receive from that, uh, we don't enjoy by ourselves. Uh, it, the fruit that we receive generations, uh, this trust generation after generation, uh, receive that blessing of our sowing. And imagine, I, I think probably the missionaries that went to Colombia in 1932 probably were not thinking that a girl from there was coming to U.S. to serve the Lord here. So you see how God is so cool. <laughs> and um, so thank you so much. Uh, well, God uh, is taking us to Spain, and we were praying. God spoke to us about three years ago that he was taking us outside of the United States to serve him. He didn't tell us where to go, so we started to pray. God, show us where and we were praying for about two years, and God was silent, never stopped praying. <laughs> and then last year, God showed us that Spain is the place that he has for us to be. So uh, last year, God opened the doors for us to go to Spain. Uh, we were initially going on a short mission trip, and oh, let me thank you so much. Uh, Spain is a population of over 46 million people, and 99% of the people don't know Jesus. So you can see why God wants us to be there. <laughs> uh, well, and then God opened the doors for us to go to Spain last summer, but I wasn't excited. 
God was moving something there. God was taking me out of my comfort zone. We believe that God was taking us to South America. All the time we were like, sure, we are going back to South America. <laughs> and no, God is not in a box. I forgot that. So then eh, I wasn't excited, but I didn't know why I wasn't excited. It was like something in my heart was going on, and I didn't know even how to call that feeling. But you know, God is so good, he knew my heart. And the day before we went to Spain, he brought to me this word that, please, and it's, it's like, I need some help with the slide so I can, yes, thank you so much. He said, for I, I, I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. You know, what I had in my heart was fear. I was afraid. And God knew that. And I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't sure what was going on. But he, when he came to me, that shaked me. And I was like, oh, wow. What I have in my heart is fear. And, but God says, I will help you. It's another way to say, I am with you. And that promise took away my fear. And I told my husband, I sent him a test message, and I say, we are going to Spain with this promise. God is going to help us. And he has been helping us. So I thought that at first, I thought that I was just concerned because we were leaving our kids here in the U.S. And we were leaving our kids with my mother that came from Colombia. She doesn't speak English. And uh, my husband's dad was going to help her, but he doesn't speak Spanish. <laughs> so imagine why. <laughs> so then the interesting part is that we were going to leave Nicolette, our four-year-old daughter, in charge of translating from, for grandpa and grandma. Praise God, God helped us, and God helped them. Everything went good. <laughs> so we went to Spain, and God showed us there in different ways. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It was a reality. And uh, we visited a cathedral there. And once we enter the cathedral, they have a door to go in and a different door to go out. So we went in, and once we went inside, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I want you to testify with these words. I am light, life, and joy. And I immediately started to pray. God, to whom you want me to say those words? There were a lot of people visiting the cathedral, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Uh, to whom? 
Well, we went outside of the cathedral, and right outside of the cathedral, we found an older Spaniard uh, man. It's in the next slide, the picture. And this man came to me directly to ask for money. Here it is. And he, he asked me for money, and I opened my mouth to say, we will give you money. When I said that, I felt how the Holy Spirit took control of my mouth. And I said, but money will only satisfy your physical need temporarily. But Jesus is the only one who will satisfy your spiritual need permanently. Because Jesus, I said, Jesus is light, life, and joy. If you open, I told him, if you open your heart to Jesus, he will bring those things into your life. When I finish that, finish that this man started to cry. And he replied, I need that. And he said, I have been wanting to die. I have been a widower since 1970. And he was left with three little girls. He raised them by himself. And two of the girls got married and abandoned him. And the other girl died when she was 37 years old. I tell you this because only God could knew his heart. And he needed that word. So we shared the gospel with this man. And right there, that is the door to go outside of the cathedral. And people were going outside of the cathedral. And we were right there with him. With him, we grab our hands. He wants us to pray with him, and he has said, Jesus, right there. And you know, that shows us one more time that our Father is seeking what is lost, as you and I were lost one day. So, God showed us. Spain is the place for you to be a minister, and that's why we are here. We came back from there. We applied to become missionaries. We were approved. Normally, it takes between nine months and a year to be approved. We received, it was a surprise for us. We were expecting the notification by this man in April. We got the notification last December that we were approved. Four months took the process. We praise God and we know he wants us to be there. And we know he wants his body to come together and support what he wants to do in Spain. And uh, let's, sorry, we will be working with... Uh, thank you for those who put the cleaners there. <laughs> Very handy. We will be working with a ministry. We are working, all right, with a ministry called On the Red Bus. It's a ministry located in the center of Madrid, the capital city of Spain. And we are dedicated uh, to three things, let's say. 
Uh, the next one, please. We have a prayer house right there in the center of Madrid, and we is a prayer house because what we do depends on God, you know. And so we depend on God to do the work that he wants us to do. And we uh, also do evangelism, public and personal evangelism. And six days a week, we used about three hours just in public evangelism. Uh, right there in the center of Madrid. And we also do training. Last, uh, yesterday on our way here, we have to stop in Alliance because we had a training with 24 people in Spain that want to do evangelism and they want to do it, you know, good. They want to do the best for God. So our greatest desire is to see the church active in sharing the message of the cross so the church in Spain will be able to reach their own community. And she went downtown Madrid where we do ministry, and she heard the gospel there. And there are so many people that are wanting or needing or praying for someone that will show them the way to Jesus. And you and I can do that. We are vassals in Jesus' hand to be able to reach those people that are wanting someone to show them the way. And we are so glad that, uh, you know, you want to partner with us, uh, especially with God's mission in Spain. And uh, we need your prayers and we need financial support. And please pray for us that we could, um, God will provide for us the monthly support that we need to be in Spain and be able to spread the gospel in Spain. Thank you so much. God bless you. We will pray for you because that's what we're going to do right now. Um, we'll have some offering containers in the back that aren't the box that you can put in specific offering for Jeremy and Darylise. We'll set that up. Uh, but if you guys can step forward a little bit in church body, if you can come up, I'd like to lay hands on Jeremy and Darylise. If you want to come up too, you can stand with them. Father, we thank you for your call. Thank you for your heart that is our heart, that all would know. The will that none would perish, but that all would have everlasting life. And in the reality, God, that there is a place where, where people need to know you. There's a, a country that you're calling Jeremy and Darylis to reach, God, because there's men and women who need to know life. They need to know joy. They need to know hope. God, you know how to get them there. You know the needs. You know the, the things that are before them. We pray, God, you would provide for every need. We pray that you would make every connection, God, that as they get to Spain, Father, that you would go before them, come behind them, prepare their home, prepare their, their transportation, prepare their, their connections and all that they can do, God, so they can be actively engaged in the work that you've set before them. I pray for their family, God. I pray that as they serve, there would be a joy for their family in the name of Jesus Christ, God. For their kids as they're acclimating to a new culture in a new place, that your hand would be upon them, God. And they would be used for the glory of the King. 
God, we thank you for this couple. We thank you for the call. We thank you that we get to be a part of the call of God, the plans of God across this world. In Jesus' name, amen.